Well, end of the year, and it's a good time to be a little reflective of some of our practices in our business, one of those being employee benefits. So I've invited onto the show today my personal insurance agent from Brookstone Group, uh, Lisa Thornton. Lisa's been in the insurance industry for over 20 years, and also Lauren Allen. Lauren's a licensed attorney in the state of Texas. She focuses her insurance practice on group health and employee benefits. So we got two experts today that are willing to share a few ideas that may be of help. Hope you guys enjoy. Alisa and Lauren, you guys are with Brookstone and uh, you guys are, are well, for first and foremost, you're my insurance provider, um, both of my, my general liability and then also through my, my health insurance. Um, we wanted to have you guys on this episode today to uh, talk and share a little bit about the different employee benefit options that are available to, to small and custom size type, uh, type home builders because it's a little bit of a difficult sea to navigate. So um, that's really the point of today's episode. And I think the best way to do this is just turn it over to you guys for a little bit, let you have the stage and hear exactly what sort of options and solutions are out there available for us. Sounds great. Thank you, Jared. So really, you know, the basic purpose of op- offering employee benefits is to attract and retain um, quality long-term employees. I think within um, the small home builder um, sector, especially you can find turnover rate can be um, rather on the high side. And so it's how do you ensure that these individuals on your team are, are wanting to stay and, and become those, those long-term um, dependable individuals um, that you want to provide additional benefits to. How does that look in the context of the small home builder? And I think you have to really get um, creative with the options because within this industry, there are different pressure points as opposed to um, other types of industries within the the business world. Um, You know, offering benefits um, separates you from your competition. Um, And then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what size employer you are, um, you are subject to um, compliance measures as it relates um, to benefits. And so I think it's just being educated on what those are that can help you um, further succeed and and gain that that, um, benefits package that you you hope to give to your uh, devoted team members. And one of the main things that um, we try to stress is just education. You know, what is available out there for any size employer group? Um, Some people think they're too small to start offering benefits and others, you know, are getting to be, you know, larger, you know, especially what we call large groups, which are 50 and over. And and there's a requirement to start offering benefits. And so we want to be able to address the need of both the the two-man group as well as the 50-man group so that there are creative opportunities for those benefits for those employees. So one of the things about education, um, and we're going to talk first about um, 
the small groups. So those are groups that have 50 or fewer full-time employees. And one of the main education points is, is actually a part of the Affordable Care Act. We always think the Affordable Care Act is individual mandates and those type of things. But part of the Affordable Care Act that came out is for small groups that what we have is, is what's called a participation holiday, um, which basically means that if you submit a group to one of the major carriers, like a Blue Cross or United, um, Cigna, those type of things, those type of carriers, during the month of November with a January 1st effective date, then we have a holiday from two requirements. The two requirements are um, employer contribution and the number of employees that participate. So during this participation holiday, the employer can start a groups, can start offering benefits to their employee, but instead of the regular 50% contribution by the employer, that requirement goes away. The second requirement of having 75% of eligible employees participate also goes away. So during this participation holiday, based on the Affordable Care Act, we could actually start a group with just one employee with zero employer contribution. Now, that's not our ideal situation, but it is a way or during this time that an employer can start offering those benefits without all of the financial burden that is assumed comes with offering benefits to employees. Um, I think that's the scary step that a lot of the small employers had is once you start offering benefits, what if something happens and if the cash flow changes and those type of things to you know have to pull back on benefits. So this is a great opportunity during the participation holiday to start offering, to dip that toe in the water of employee benefits um, without the financial burden of it. So that is part of one of the reasons we're here at this point is to know that that participation holiday is coming along um, very quickly um, in the next couple of weeks. And we have the opportunity um, to, you know, have that employer look at it a little bit closer and um, take the opportunity that the Affordable Care Act has presented. Um, it's been around, obviously, since the Affordable Care Act has been around, but not a lot of people know about uh, that opportunity. So we wanted to first educate a lot of the employers um, that this is a great time of year to look into it um, with deductibles starting over every January. It's the ideal time of year, actually, to look at it. And just know that there's no harm in working with a benefits producer, your choice of, 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 of broker, but submitting a census, which would be your employee count and, and information to get um, quoting and pricing on what the various plans look like. I think um, what's different about employee benefits as, as opposed to the normal um, commercial process um, as it relates to insurance is with employee benefits under the Affordable Care Act, one broker doesn't have a leg up okay. as it relates to rate prices as it would if you were quoting your commercial, your GL policy. Different on the PNC side, the property casualty side with GNC, you could find different agents that have access to different markets and that could warrant different rates. And that's why you find a lot of premium shopping 
during that um, commercial renewal timeframe. But on the employee benefits side with the Affordable Care Act, it's in your best interest to really look for a broker that is going to be able to educate you and that knows the various options and what's out there because no one broker has a leg up as it relates to mm-hmm. carrier rates. It, it, it really is, um, I don't want to say standardized, but you don't have that wiggle room. So what you're looking for is an agent that can provide the creativity based on your needs and makeup um, as it relates to employee benefits. Mm-hmm. So it's it's looking at um you know, a husband, owner, two owner group or an mm-hmm. owner W2 group, if you only have two employees um, in, in or, or different methods that, mm-hmm. that Alyssa can talk about, but looking for that, that creativity on the broker side and knowledge base will really go far um, because of that difference in how you're approaching employee benefits. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and even though, um, you know, things are always changing, you know, like, we said with the Affordable Care Act, what are those rules that that have come about um, with compliance? You know, that's what are the new rules uh, about compliance issues? And so you really do need that employee benefits team to help um, help guide and, and know what's out there and what creativity um, is availability is there. Um, one other example of, of being creative is is a combination of um, of a plan, and, and usually we, we kind of go, if you're in the larger market, I know we just addressed something on the smaller side. So in the large market or in the, you know, if you're around the 50 or more full-time employee realm, um, sometimes it's hard to get participation. Um, we understand that. Um, you know, if you, you sometimes have your hourly employee or your rank and file employee, and they don't always see the value in um, having money taken out of their paycheck <laughs> for for benefits, you know, like every dollar counts for them. So we have another um, solution that can sometimes be arranged for for a group in which we um, do a combination of benefits. You have on one side uh, the benefits for like a PPO plan, which is kind of your typical deductibles with office visit copays and you know, what, what we think of traditional insurance. And you can have that on one side um, for those that really are looking for those type of benefits. But then on the other side, we can put in what we call um, a MEC plan or a minimal essential coverage. And it's really just a pared down benefits plan that really addresses the most common uses of insurance coverage, which is your primary care visits, you know, just for your sore throats and your, you know, your routine office visits. Um, most of them now have telehealth, especially now that's, that's a big thing right now. And most of them have a telehealth um, benefit. So th- that right there is going to be about 80% of why people use their health insurance is just for those routine, ongoing, bothersome appointments for your sinus infections and, and, you know, just those type of things. Um, Some of the plans then have what we call indemnity benefits, which are flat rate benefits um, for hospital visits or those type of things. So there's again, but, but because there's a pared down benefit, the rates are standardized rates. They're much more affordable um, than in comparison to, to your major medical, your full-blown plan. So sometimes we can get that participation um, for more of the group 
by offering two different types of options. So we really want to work with the group and what, what is your goal for offering benefits and how can we best meet that goal? Um, and then of course, on, on, on Going from there, um, there's lots of different voluntary benefits that don't cost the employer anything that we can look at. We can definitely look at um, your typical, your dental and your vision if um, the employer wants to offer some life benefits. Um, if accident benefits, uh, cancer, you know, all, all of the, the typical things. But we are not in the business just to sell products. We're in the business to help you reach your goal for what you're wanting for your employees and the best fit in there. I think too, and Alyssa makes a good point, you know, that creativity as it relates to um, a major medical or, and, or a MEC plan, but then too, knowing a lot of the, on the smaller employer size, it might just be um, a husband or wife owner. And then they're a, we're able to um, help provide them with options of, they want, you know, their family to have um, benefits, but they use independent contractors for their staff. And so you can structure your company to either have um, an owner and one W-2 employee, and that can Mm -hmm. make up the basis for finding um, rates on a major medical. Um, Or we have um, some husband-wife groups, and one of the, the spouses is the owner, um, or they're both listed as members of the LLC or they're the, the owner of the company um, files an amendment to the formation documents and gets the other spouse added. And then in that instance, you are able to now have the basis of a group and you aren't um, forced, if you will, to look towards the individual health exchange, Mm -hmm. um, which only provides for HMO type plans. Um, So if you're looking for that PPO, you still have options, even if you are a one man or a two man group, but it's Mm -hmm. just about looking at your structure. And Alyssa can talk about um, if you're the owner of W2, Mm -hmm. um, it's only one quarter on the TWC Mm -hmm. report that you would have to prove up Mm-hmm. Um, to or to get that group health mm-hmm. um, benefit. Yeah, and we've definitely had the um, carriers over in really the last two to three years understand that small groups are definitely structured differently or can be, and they've really uh, expanded what they're willing to define as a small group. Um, and and having that TWC report is is ideal on it. Um, but having the entity formation documents and those type of things, we were definitely able to advise on if, you know, currently how it's structured, can we do something? Or we'll advise if we need to make a revision here and there and where can we, where can we go from there um, to provide that. And, um, and I want to stress what Lauren also said about that PPO network. Um, so just Real quick, you make sure everyone's on the same PPO, Preferred Provider Organization, and HMO, which is a health maintenance organization um, scenario. So PPO, you're allowed to choose your doctors, and it's a wider network. And in the state of Texas, we we have a shortage of PPO options. Um, Essentially, actually, on the individual side for major medical, you have none. 
So if you want to get to a PPO network, you really do have to offer or be a part of a group plan. And for those people who are going to have some major medical um, challenges coming up, we they may choose or they may want to, to be able to choose their doctors of choice, their hospitals of choice, and that's where the PPO strength comes in. Now, on the flip side, HMO is a great um, option as well. It usually helps save on premium a little bit. Um, and the, and the networks are very strong in the state of Texas. Um, but giving your employees the option, if an HMO is fine for them, or if they want to choose a, you know, a PPO, I think having, giving employees a choice is really important. Um, I think that's one of the things I would, honestly was talking to a client this morning and we were talking about, um, and he is in the construction business and he was just, he wants to offer a base plan, but he was very insistent that he wanted to offer multiple plans so that every employee could decide for themselves and their family what fit best for him. He was very concerned that he didn't want to make that choice for them. He wanted to give that opportunity to each employee. Um, and I just thought that was a really wonderful point of view to take as an employer that he wanted to start offering this benefit during the participation holiday to help him out, but also wanted to be able to give the choice to the employees um, of what they needed for themselves. And it was a really large part of our conversation this morning about choice, choice for his employees, the choice, you know, for himself to start offering it. Um, and he was a seven man group and, and he's not sure how the employee, you know, we're not, we don't know how many we'll have, but we are going to do it during the participation holiday with multiple plan designs um, to give that choice, not just to, for himself, but for his employees. So we talked about, you know, why you offer employee benefits or want to offer employee benefits. It's that retain, attract and retain um, compliance. But I think, too, it comes down to having conversations about, okay, what is my goal for, for my employee base and, and, and yourself as an owner? Um, where do I see myself in the next year, three years, five years? And will the addition, or if you currently have benefits, will the manipulation of how you're offering it get you to that, to that goal as it relates to um, uh, employee-employer satisfaction? Because as Alyssa stated, you don't want to get in yourself into a hole and offer benefits and it's the wrong design. And then a year later, you have to retract that offer. Um, I know nobody wants to do that to to their team. And so it's really ensuring that you're having discussions with a broker that you feel is, is the right fit and understands your operations, because it's not just, here's my census, let's get a quote. You mm -hmm. want to ensure that your broker is talking with you about what you're doing and, and where you want to go um, as it relates to this process, because jumping into benefits isn't right for everybody, mm -hmm. but you know, there are ways to dip your toe in mm -hmm. and, and then build upon it so that you're taking a conservative approach that aligns with, with your financial um, projections and goals. Um, part of that process 
as it relates to, to the agent is what are they able to offer? I think within the industry, the construction industry in general, you, you do have a language barrier. So are there, are there abilities to have benefits um, or some sort of um, ancillary benefits, which would be your dental, your vision, your life? Can it be conveyed to both English and, and Spanish speakers or other languages? Because let's be honest, talking about benefits in English is hard enough. <laughs> so having to go through it in another mm-hmm. language, I, you know, that's, it's hard to just say, okay, here's a translated piece of paper for enrollment. Good luck. You need to be able to offer your employees a conversation piece with someone that can speak in their native language for something so difficult. Um, And so I think it's about talking with your agent about the capabilities that are out there um, because they're there and it's, you know, do, does the broker have resources to nationwide you know, services, whether um, you have a a division in another state, you know, I think that's important to know, um, as well as is there face-to-face telephonic, and some people are great with online and used to it, and so knowing those those capabilities. Right, absolutely. Um, Also on, you know, I think a very big important piece is that enrollment deliverables, you know, with with any insurance, you you always have that expiration date. You're always up against the clock. But with benefits, you know, the earlier the better because you hate to get to the, the effective date. If it's January 1st, and I'll have Alyssa go into those upcoming deadlines, mm-hmm. especially as it relates to that holiday participation. But you, you want to make sure your employees have the documents they need um, as best as possible on that effective date because – Somebody could mm-hmm. get in an accident and have to immediately go to the doctor and mm-hmm. where's your ID card. Mm-hmm. So I'll let Alyssa go into that deliverables time frame that as it relates to holiday participation, but in mm-hmm. general um, with, with your agent. Yeah, definitely. So, so speaking specific to, specifically for that participation holiday, um, I kind of touched on before is that the carriers require that we have the submission of the employer as well as employee documentation submitted to them anytime starting November 1st through just some carriers are through the end of November. So we'll just say the month of November. Some of them have extended it to December, but the majority, so the month of November, we need to submit all employer and employee documents to the insurance carrier for them to process. We don't have to be done with the process, but um, we need to submit it to them in the month of November. They have time to process it, approve it, and um, the effective date for those benefits would be January 1st. Throughout the year, we're talking about the participation holiday, but obviously if this is not the right time to talk about it, you want to wait another few months, see how things are going, look at your financials for 2021. We can always do benefits um, anytime throughout the year. Um, and just ideally we would like to have any documentation submitted to the carrier within 30 days of the effective date. Because as Lauren said, you know, somebody is signing up for these benefits, they know that they're coming, 
They know that their payroll is probably going to start being deducted from them. We want them to have all of the information that comes directly from the carrier in their hands so that they can start using the benefits um, the first day of the month. So usually we ask at least that all the, the documentation is submitted within 30 days of the effective date. Um, especially if we're going to do enrollment with face-to-face, if we want to do... Um, if, if we need uh, the bilingual services, those type of things, we just want to make sure that we have enough time to process everything, that every employee has the ability and the time to process their information, to make the best informed choices, and then have the deliverables to them when they expect to start using them. Then every year we will go through an open enrollment or a renewal process. Um, And again, we want to make sure that we have enough time. So we have a time frame of six months before doing a check-in. How are things going? The employees, um, any questions, those type of things. Updated census, 90 days ahead of time, we get an updated census. Do we need to look around with any carriers? Um, Usually about 60 days prior to the renewal, we'll get the renewal from the carrier and still give us enough time to, again, uh, process any new enrollments, any changes, um, come back out to do the face-to-face, any of the um, renewal services that you would require of us. And still, again, get that all done within 30 days of the renewal date. So any changes are in the employee's hands by by that time frame so that they feel confident in their benefits as well. That would be just a very good point when you are researching what your current agent does or what your prospective agent does is, you know, what are your enrollment deliverables? What what does that time frame Mm -hmm. look like? Because setting expectations is key. Um, because it is such a different animal on the employee benefit mm-hmm. side um, and, and the timing on which you decide to engage if you if you decide on employee benefits. Um, and then just in general, I think as a, a kind of final piece to the puzzle is if you do offer employee benefits and or you are 50 lives or employees or greater, you know, anybody is subject to a Department of Labor um, audit. And so you want to make sure that your agent is aligning um, with with regards to the enrollment documents that you hand out to your employees are the correct forms in there and disclaimers, um, because that is part of of, um, compliance. And so um, don't assume, always ask, you know, what is in there? Is the, are the plan documents there, plan, uh, summary plan descriptions, uh, premium contribution payment schedules? Do the employees know what the employer is contributing versus their percentage of what they're contributing? Um, you know, an employee handbook is always um, good to have, no matter how basic. And, and, and agents, broke employee benefit agents, can assist with getting templates on employee um, handbooks if you don't have one. So, mm-hmm. so don't think that this list is for you to reinvent the wheel so mm-hmm. that deters you from offering benefits. All of these things, if your agent is the right fit, he or she is going to be able to help you with these, have a template, um, mm-hmm. work with you to get you to where um 
you feel comfortable, but that at the same time keeps you in compliance. Um, and then just ensuring that all, you know, mandatory employee notices are on file as well. Um, so the employee benefit world can be confusing, but at the same time, it's it's a great resource to offer um, from an employee um, perspective to attract and retain um, and, and really grow the business um, to help to help keep it this um kind of holistic view on what you're able to offer um, to your customers and your employees. All right. That was a great, great overview. I really appreciate you guys going into some of the details and specifics for us because, you know, for, at least for me personally, there's a lot that I just don't understand in mm -hmm. your part of the world. And, and I'm sure there are a lot of other builders that are in the same boat. So thank you for the overview. One of the things you guys mentioned that I didn't know, well, actually I, I take it back. I have learned recently is that um, there really is no flexibility with, uh, with like uh, health insurance premiums. So really um, all, all of that is set and standardized. And um, I didn't know that that was something I actually think that you guys shared with me uh, in the last few months. And so that, I don't know, was an eye opener. Yeah. And I think one thing too, you know, that you and I've learned um, over the last year or so is that, you know, if, if you are currently offering benefits, it doesn't hurt to also ask what else is out there? You know, what can I, you know, do I have the best scenario for my, you know, for my team. Um, and if, you know, it's kind of like auto insurance, you hear all the, you know, if you haven't shopped in in a couple of years, it might be worth shopping and just to know what, what's out there. And that's, um, you know, just for educational purposes as well. And so if you haven't looked over your employee benefits, what are you doing? Um, how are the employee, you know, are we getting the number of employee participation that we're looking for to meet those goals, it's worth taking a look for, look at, or, you know, have a, have a quick conversation about um, it because you want to make sure that what you're offering is valued and you're not just um, paying out money for benefits that, that aren't being appreciated. Well, and, and I also think too, from, from the employer's perspective is even if you have or are offering benefits, what is your agent doing? Is it enough to meet your needs? Are you, are you getting the correspondence mm -hmm. and, and the, the turnaround as it relates to when employees leave or when you onboard, mm -hmm. how quickly are you getting responses? Um, I, you know, you just, you want to ensure as in any insurance agent, are they working for you mm -hmm. um, and, and being proactive in getting you the information you need, as opposed to you always having to contact them to make requests or or to to find out information, um, mm -hmm. you know, don't don't make it harder. The agent should be making it easier for you to do your job because at the end of the day, benefits is tough, and especially with the small <laughs> employer segment, they don't have an HR department, and so being able to lean on your employee benefits agent to take over that role as best as possible for the benefits administration and ongoing, um, you know, engagement, that's key. And so um, making sure just that, 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 that agent's working for you. Yeah. Great point. All right. Well, 
thank you guys for coming on the show today and sharing us your advice. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jared. All right. Y'all have a good afternoon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.